Affairs blog for the first of well, a number of weeks in a row, about 16, 18, 20 or so weeks in a row. Our friend Lee Sterling from Paramount Sports will join us at 1045. He's got a number of games that he will share his opinion on, as well as uh, give you an opportunity, if you're so inclined, to get his game of the week. At 11 o'clock, Dave Sinekin, theheadcheese.com. He's in year 25, talking Packers on the Vikings flagship in the Twin Cities, KFAN. He writes to uh, the website, theheadcheese.com. That's his. He's Dave Sinekin. He'll join us at 11.05. Dane Mizzitani will join us on the Minnesota Vikings. He covers the Vikings at St. Paul Pioneer Press. And then Nick Athen on the Chiefs uh, from primetimesportstalk.com. Chiefs and Houston here tonight. And away we go, Trent Condon. How are you? It's a full guest list today. We are stacked up. We're going to hit all four of our regional teams. Excited to talk to Mike Golick and... A little bit of everything here today on the football side of things. It it almost feels normal, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it does, Trent. It really and truly does. I started to get excited and really feel like football was upon us. Labor Day weekend really did nothing for me right. just because of the matchups and the games were so bad. But uh, this this feels different. Super Bowl champs uh, in action tonight, obviously. Before we uh, hopefully we'll hear from Mike Golick, just real quick on, boy, that Raptors Celtics game last oh, night was man. unbelievable. We don't talk a ton of NBA, but that one, oh my gosh! In terms of high level play, mm-hmm. shot after shot, the Raptors with the response every single time, and having opportunities to win it at the yes. end of the first OT, at the end of regulation. Now, I'm not going to sit here and tell you I saw the whole thing. In mm-hmm. fact, I didn't get to it until oh, probably sometime in the late in the third quarter. But boy, oh boy, Trent, I was thoroughly entertained, as I'm sure everybody that watched that game. You, the champs, they're going to go down with a fight, right? And in Game 7, uh, who could ask for anything more? And we will get that tomorrow night as Nick Nurse and his Raptors remain alive. It was uh, one of the most fun games, that certainly of the bubble, and one of the most fun playoff games that I, I've seen. Now, I was with you. I wasn't with it throughout. I didn't start in the first quarter and go all the way through. Mm-hmm. I was watching quite a bit of baseball last night. Rooting for the Royals big time as they got it done. <laughs> yep. Danny Duffy was outstanding, so I watched a lot of that he's game. He's had a nice year. He has, yep. yeah. Uh, got roughed up his last time out against the White Sox, but overall, he's been solid. So, doing that, watched a lot of White Sox. Boy, Benetti and Stone are so good. That's a great uh, That's a great play-by-play. They go from uh, the worst it really is. to one of the best. And, and here's the thing, Trent, and I agree with you, and I think that for the maybe for the first time for some people, they're starting to listen to those guys. Right, exactly. Because yeah. the White Sox were so bad, mm-hmm. but that's not the case any longer. Uh, Darvish walked two guys in the first uh, back-to-back for the first time all year. Uh, gave up a three-spot. Moustakas just crushed one to right center uh, in the first inning. And then it was the pitching matchup we all thought we were going to see, mm-hmm. and it certainly lived up to everything. Bauer was so good. Oh, my God. And, and when he's going like that, there's not a whole lot you can do. But Was the Cy Young winner in the National League on the bump last night either – Yes. I think so, too. It's an either-or situation. Yep. I mean, who else would even be in that conversation? Well, Freed, but he's out now. He is, yeah. DeGrom. Yeah, you got to put him in any conversation. I agree. He still leads the league in ERA, yep. 1.69. Yep. And his Mets are okay. They're okay, yeah. yeah. They're all right. But Darvish leads the league in strikeouts. Bauer is second behind him. Some of those counting stats that you always look at. Wins, which aren't important, but are important still to some people. Mm-hmm. You Darvish uh, tied with Zach Davies with seven wins in the National League. Is that a fact? Have you, this was something that was always so yeah. huge for me growing up. Get in the paper, get that agate type, and going through the league leaders <laughs> every single day and looking at the batting average and who's leading in home runs and RBI mm-hmm. and going through everything. I rarely do it anymore, but when I do, 
it's a fun trip down memory lane. Yeah, and it's uh, it's tough to watch those Padres. Not tough. It's just um, you know they're West Coast team and they're a good team and they made a whole bunch of changes as we saw uh, at the trade deadline. So um, and they're clearly going to be in the playoffs, which is going to be fun. Ready or not, a couple more weeks uh, of baseball and then we'll be into postseason. It's um, we knew it was going to be a sprint. We knew it was going to be fun. We knew it was going to be something that we never had an opportunity to see before. Anyways, let's talk some football, shall we? He is a, a newly retired. In some respects, doesn't have to get up anymore early in the morning. He's Mike Golick, uh, longtime ESPN radio host. Now he's going to be a part of college football throughout the regular season. Uh, Mike Golick, thanks for coming on. Trent Conn is my partner. My name is Ken Miller. Thanks for coming on. Congratulations on your radio career, Mike Golick. That's a long run, my friend. Oh, I appreciate that. Um, you know, I, again, I was hoping I would still be doing it right sure. now, but you know. <laughs> Not the way it goes all that time. So I, I, I guess the, the the best thing I could say is I get to sleep in a little bit now. Are you having trouble doing that? I mean, how long has it taken you? I'm sure your body clock uh, goes off at three thirty or whenever time it was on a daily basis for so many years. It takes some time to break that habit, Mike, doesn't it? Oh yeah, I still haven't broken it. It's been uh, four fifteen, four thirty for twenty two years at ESPN, and I still kind of stir at that time. Um, I don't fully wake up, but but I do kind of move around, and then I just am able to go back to sleep till about seven o'clock or so. So I would imagine over time I'll start to get used to it, and we'll see. You know, when my uh, if I end up going somewhere else after the new year, mm-hmm. if it's another morning show, if I have to start to do it all over again or not, we'll have to wait and see. Well, Mike, you're going back to your roots and uh, calling college games again, something that you did for a number of years before the beginning of Mike and Mike on ESPN Radio. So take us through the transition, getting back and, and getting ready for games and also doing it in the middle of a pandemic. Well, I'll tell you that this is it's the new experience for me is I, I was calling college games while I was doing Mike and Mike and while I was doing studio shows of NFL Live. So I would do the radio show all week. Three days in the evening, I would do NFL Live, and then I would fly out on Fridays to do games on the weekend. So I'm I'm actually able to only concentrate on a college football game now for the first time in my career. So I find I have even more time to look at film and and study players and go over storylines. So I'm looking forward to it. And obviously one of the big storylines this year is not only COVID, but the social justice issues that are going on that these young you know, players are going through and talking about as well while having the social distance. And we all learned what Zoom was this year because that's all how anybody meets anymore, <laughs> yeah. all the, the different iterations of a Zoom meeting now. So it certainly takes a little bit of getting used to that, that, um, you know, that, that in-person atmosphere uh, in a lot of things is somewhat gone now. Mike, I guess I don't know the answer to this. I know that Herb Street was, um, at least I believe he was, he was at BYU on, on Monday night. Will all crews be traveling to the uh, to the stadiums? Baseball's doing it, I mean, they're doing it uh, remotely. Will you guys be in stadium for the most part? We, uh, My crew at first will not. There's a couple of crews uh, that will go out to the games, but just for the, the sake of safety, they're not going to send everybody because obviously it's not just you know, the crews, it's more people than that. Now we have people at each site for the cameras and such, the mm-hmm. behind the scenes people and the sideline reporters as well. Uh, but, but my particular crew, we're starting out, I'll be calling from Bristol. Play by play will be called Tom Hart for this game, calling it from his home in Atlanta. And then we'll have Cole Kublik there actually in Ames at the stadium. So that takes a little bit of getting used to as well. 
but that's how ESPN is going to do it. And they've been doing it, like you said, in baseball for a bit. And as we know, this, this whole COVID thing is changing day to day, week to week. Hopefully at some point during the season, we'll all be able to get out on the road again. That all depends on, you know, the spread and the percentages and all those wonderful numbers that we've come to know and hate over these uh, last few months. Mike, as you look at this matchup that you're going to be on the call for, Iowa State, Louisiana, right after game day goes off the air, ESPN will flip right over to you guys on the call. What have you seen? Uh, of course, we know a ton about Iowa State here, but what have you seen from the Raging Cajuns on film? Well, I mean, you, you look at and and also you have to understand that this this is a one thing athletes are used to is routine, and you basically know who your first opponent is the following year when you finished the right. year before. You know, here a lot of these guys didn't find out till just a couple of weeks before, so it was still working on your own game and self scouting and working on. You're always working on improving yourself, but you like to get a look at your opponent. This is an opponent. Obviously, these two don't know each other uh, very well at all. But I mean, what a hell of a running game they have! You know, with, with the, the two backs they have, and Mitchell and Vegas, and the quarterback and Levi Lewis, who's a really, really good quarterback mm-hmm. and accurate. He does not turn the ball over. Twenty six touchdowns, just four interceptions. So he's an accurate passer. They are a downhill running game. I think last year averaged about 40, 41 attempts a game running and over 257 yards. So they're going to test the strength of that, that Iowa State defense. Again, we know that Iowa State defense at 3-3-5 where that safety has got to be good at covering and good at playing down by the line as well. So, you know, their job, that Iowa State defense, is going to be to contain the run. That is the strength of this Louisiana offense, no doubt about it. And certainly for that Louisiana defense, they're going to have to contend with what an unbelievable tight end room yeah. <laughs> that I would say. It, for, for a program where just a few years ago, I don't think had any tight ends yeah, on their roster, scholarship on their roster, you know, to have Saner and Allen and, and what Kohler is, is doing, what these three guys and how big they are and how they're not only 6'6", six, six, or 6'7", six, 6'7", seven, six, seven, six, six, but you look at the receiver, 6'3", six, 6'4", six, 6'6", six, six, the, the uh, uh, targets that Purdy has to throw to is absolutely incredible. So they're really going to test this Louisiana defense to, to match up. Uh, you, you, mentioned, uh, you mentioned the quarterback, and, and Lewis is a, a lefty. Mike, when you think back to your career and you'd face a left-handed quarterback maybe once a year, I'm not sure, um, the, the luxury Iowa State has is both of their backups are lefties. So in, this, in, the, in practice, one of those two, I'm, I'm assuming, is, is uh, playing uh, the role of Levi Lewis. But when you do face a lefty, something you rarely do throughout the regular season, what kind of problems does it or does it pose for a defense, Mike? I, I never really. I mean, I played against Steve Young, you know, plenty when I was playing in the NFL. He wasn't bad. And, you know, <laughs> Steve Young posed a problem because Steve Young was a great right. quarterback. <laughs> you know, it, it may be a difference in the beginning for receivers on the spin of the ball. But other than that, you just have to understand that the, that the escape route for a lefty is to the left side, not the right side. The right tackle was the protector of the blind side. It really, in all honesty, I don't think it's much different at all outside of just realizing that if he wants to break the pocket, he's going to want to break it running to his throwing side, which would be his left. So players know that. You work on that, and that's the way you want to cut him off. You want to make him go right or, or you want to make him step up into the trash. But I, I never thought it was, it was really that big of a deal. Mike, uh, we go back to uh, the game I referred to with Herb Street and Company on Monday. Navy didn't tackle at all uh, in in fall camp. I'm not saying that that was the sole reason that they got run out of the building like they did. Um, But at the same time, 
is, is, what role is is coaching Marceau this this fall? Is it even more important? I mean, what kind of football do you think we're going to see at the college level and then at the pro level at least early in the season? Well, I'll stick more to the college level because the pro level is really they do so much less hitting um, in camp now. You know, there's never two a day, two two padded practices a day. That's been going on for a few years. There's rarely, if any, ever ever any tackling on the pro level. Uh, those guys are more of a finished product. So in college, there is still a lot of hitting, and football is hitting. You get ready to play football, you know, in that in that little league and that high school and that college. You have to do some hitting, you know, and for Navy, and I'm sure they're not alone, others, you know, less teamwork, less scrimmaging, less hitting, that all adds up. You know, forgetting even the tackling, certainly you can, you can wrap up and try and try and thud tackle, which you would call it, but in college you would do live tackling. But I think it's a combination of not just tackling, but rarely any teamwork. With teamwork comes blitz pickup, with teamwork comes, you know, uh, all different types of drills that you can do where you, you actually have to hit. You have to get used to hitting again. So the more teams were able to do that in a group with COVID, and everybody was different with that. Everybody has a different story on how much they were able to work. And for Navy, Navy it was well-documented you know, that they didn't do a lot of it. And let's be honest, it shows they, <laughs> they got absolutely manhandled. Now, normally the other teams are bigger and more physical than Navy, but Navy is as tough as they come. And they're usually so precise with their fundamentals and such. But when you don't get to practice them as much, that's the result that you see. Mike, do you uh, know exactly what your schedule is looking like this year? No Big Ten, no Pac-12, at least early on this season. Possibility maybe November we'll see those conferences back. But are you going to be strictly in the Big 12? Are you going to be bouncing around a lot? What's it look like your schedule on ESPN? It'll be bouncing around between Big 12, ACC, and SEC. Okay. So we basically find out maybe a week or so in advance. You know, right now we're getting through, like we see with the Big 12 playing those non-conference games, like this game with, with Louisiana. And then once you get into the conference games, um, it, again, it'll be all different. That They let us know a week or two before of what conference it'll be because, it'll, it'll, yes, it will mostly be the, the, the last Big 3 of the Power 5, I guess, However, we want to delineate that, and God knows when the Big Ten and Pac-12, what's going on there. You're right, you hear it after Thanksgiving, or is it the new year? I mean, mm-hmm. man, it's it's this is a wild year. I think we're all going to be real happy when then 2020 is over. No doubt about it. Mike Gold, a couple more minutes, Mike, we'll let you go. Thanks for being so gracious with your time. Of course, uh, weird years you mentioned, really weird. Notre Dame's a part of a conference this year, your alma mater. A member of the ACC this year, Mike. How different will that be, and is it time for them to join a conference, do you think? Uh, different. It won't be much different outside of the fact Notre Dame is used to playing Stanford and yep. USC every year and certainly Big Ten teams each year. So that now goes out the window in the longstanding rivalry with Navy. Uh, they were supposed to be playing in Ireland this year, and they couldn't even play it as a non-conference game because – it couldn't be in Maryland because Notre Dame with the ACC. It had to be an ACC state. Um, no, uh, well, I'll, I'll say this. So they were they play five games anyway every year in mm-hmm. the in the ACC. So now playing more, you know, it, it, for for players, man, it's a game, right? You know, you, you line up. You, you could say, oh, I, I, it's a shame we're not playing USC or Michigan or Stanford. But so what? When you get on Saturday, you line up against who you line up against. Kids are just a guy, guys are just excited to play. As far as joining a conference, I don't see it. 
The only way Notre Dame, I know, will ever join a conference if it benefits all their sports, and not just football, but we know football really drives the ship in all these schools. Uh, but, when, but when the benefit turns more to being in a conference than not being in a conference, that's when they'll join. Until then, they will be independent. I know they were spraying ACC on the Notre Dame field. They're part of the ACC. I would expect next year, if it gets back to somewhat of a normal situation, you'll see that ACC taken off the field. Mike Golick, uh, again, congrats on the long run mornings at ESPN Radio. You and Mike and Mike, uh, you really... uh... Um, brought a lot of people to Sports Talk Radio, and everybody in this industry is grateful for that. Congratulations, Mike Golick. Have a good call and enjoy uh, this part of your career. We look forward to hopefully one down the road to hearing you on the radio again. Thank you, Mike. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Good to talk to you. Mike Golick. Uh, Mike and Mike, now ESPN, him and Tom Hart have the call. Yep. SEC uh, guys hear him on the SEC network a lot. and I don't remember his work. I'm anxious to hear Another it. voice you'll probably hear and say, yep. oh, okay, that guy. Yep. Yep. And, and he's one. He'll be in Atlanta. Golick will be Bristol. in Bristol. Mm-hmm. And then Golick will be on the sidelines. On the sidelines here. Yeah. Looks like a lot of ESPN, at least broadcasts, are going to do that. I haven't seen NFL. I don't know, Trent. I believe the NBC crew is in Kansas City. Well, and, and I know that Buck, Aikman, and Andrews, well, maybe not Buck and Aaron Andrews is going to be there because I saw one of her tweets that she can't be on the field. Okay. She'll be there, mm-hmm. but she can't be on the field, which I'm assuming is the situation yeah. for all uh, of that. Uh, p- the people, uh, sideline reporters. I-, I don't know about the NFL. It's going to be, well, we'll find out this weekend. Yes, we will. Now, tonight, they got to be there tonight. They have to. Yeah, the NBC crew has to be there tonight. And, and especially, I mean, the Chiefs unveiling. Right. Yeah. Now, I'm not certain that the pregame show... You know, with um, right. uh, Tarico and... Uh, They'll be back in studio. Right, right. Uh, that crew... Monday night crew, you remember how they're always on the field? Yeah, yeah. Can I guess that's going to be taken mm-hmm. away? Rodney Harrison, Tony Dungy, um, Tarico, Florio. Chris Sims is the one I couldn't come up with. Oh, okay. I think Chris Sims was part of it last year, so I don't know if they'll be there or not. But you know what? We can tune in tonight at yeah. 7 or whatever time the pregame is and find out with our own two eyes. It's here. Yes, it is. We made it. We did. Thank you to Mike Golick. That was fun. Thank was you great. to um, Zuba Mahente for facilitating yeah. that. Got things started Absolutely. and uh, got us headed in the right direction. Yes. I'm excited to hear him call the Iowa State game. Yeah, too. I am too. I mean, you can just hear him talking football. He knows the game so incredibly it well. It sounds to me like his non-compete is, at, is up at the <laughs> January the 1st of 2021. Well, I remember when uh, Heard Golick and uh, and Trey Wingo, their show was coming to an end, and, and Zubin now has taken over mornings there at ESPN Radio. But it would have been very Five easy. Five to six and then eight to nine. Right. Yep. For Golick just to run out his contract, but mm-hmm. he said he still wanted to help out. Mm-hmm. And so he, he came to his bosses and said, hey, I'm willing still to do college football, so that's where he is. You know, speaking of that, did I hear Trey Wingo's not going to be re-signed? Yeah. Was that this past weekend? I mean, you talk about a long time ago. Yeah. And, and apparently because there's no role for him? I guess. Wouldn't you find a role for Trey Wingo? Uh, absolutely. Trey, he was really good on that. Now, I know you have to do more than draft weekend. Yeah, but NFL Live he did. Uh-huh. Before he did the when it was still Mike and Mike in the morning, he was he was NFL Live every time. I like the new hosts that they have. They have a kind of a rotating crew there. NFL Live when I do catch it, I haven't seen it yet. It's uh, you'll get into it. I'm sure coming mm-hmm. up here this fall. But they have a lot of uh, rotating cast there, but a really good job. Their studio shows are really good. Yeah, I'm with you. So, well, do do we know that the Sam Ponder and Randy Moss 
And I don't think Woodson's part of it. The Sunday morning show? For Countdown? Yeah, the Countdown. We need uh, Richard Deitch to put together that column of what, what everything's going to look like You know, this he year. might have, actually. Yeah. I, I might have missed it at The Athletic. We're not going to miss Jeff Hughes. He'll join us next. We're going to preview all four of the regional teams here today. The locals are in the spotlight. The Bears first. 11.05, we're going to hear on from the Packers. Dave Sinekin followed that up by the Vikings at 11.15. Uh, or thereabouts. By the way, my friend uh, Leon Emmons' mother is 102 years old. Wow. She'll be at every Vikings game this year. They got her a cutout. That's awesome. How about that? Awesome. I love that. Yeah. Royce had a column in the Tribune yesterday, one of the guys that you see all the time. They always cut to in the stands, purple face paint, yep. you know, dressed, got his Vikings hair, all that stuff. And just talking about the disappointment not being there. But he'll still be wrangling Packer fans just from afar this year. The Vikes and the Packers, the curtain goes up on that one. On uh, do what did you say? You tweeted the games we get locally. Yeah, we will get the Packers Vikings game. Will be the local uh-huh. choice on on KDSM. The right choice yep. over over Bears lines. I, I think you still have to go that I'm route. With you. Uh, it will be Dolphins Patriots early window for KCCI in our late afternoon window. Fox has it this week. Saints Buccaneers. That's the right one, too. Yes, it is. That is the right one. All right, we will uh, talk Bears with Jeff Hughes. Uh, Lee Sterling is going to join us at 1045-ish, ParamountSports.com. He's a handicapper. He's been a part of um, our show for, for a long time, and he will join us at 1045. I think we first got him. Larry used to have him. Kotler and Company had him here. Okay. And then... Peralt and I got him mm-hmm. after the bombs. Oh, okay. Um, and and he's been with shows that I've been a part of ever since. I think he's great. No, he's really good. I yeah. like Lee Sterling. He's um, he's a handicapper. Yes, you know, and he's gonna people are gonna buy his picks, and he's gonna go down the tubes, and they're gonna get pissed off. But the next week, come back and throw a nine out of ten at you. That's uh, what happens. Yeah, there is, is no sure things over the course of the season, though. These guys. They're good. They've been in business for a long time for a reason. No doubt. Uh, he will join us at 1045. Miller and Condon till noon. Thank you to Mike Golick and thank you to Zubin Mahente for facilitating Mike Golick. 1460 KXNO1. Ken Miller, Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. Condon, good pull there, Trent Condon. Don't play this one enough. Yeah. Get you going. It was a little deeper in the mix there, but always love Led Zeppelin. Absolutely. 10.30 here on a uh, Thursday morning. A lot of football conversation coming your way. If you're a fan of one of the four regional teams, you're in luck. We're going to talk about every single one of them. Jeff Hughes leads off. He covers the Bears. TheBearsBlog.com, Jeff Hughes. We had two guests on yesterday. One was Cappy, so he doesn't kind of count. because, <laughs> But he, th- he thinks the Bears will win the division. But Frank Schwab from Yahoo Sports, who I think is really uh, tuned in to the NFL, uh, does a lot of work at Yahoo, as I'm sure you're aware. He picks them to win the division as well, Eight and eight last year. This wasn't a good football team, yet they managed to finish five hundred. I can understand why the Bears are getting some love in a wide open competitive division. How are you, Jeff Hughes? Are you buying? Uh, I'm doing great, guys. Good to talk to you. And I am buying to a certain degree. I, I think this is the best defense in the division. I think the offensive line and the run game will be improved. I don't think there will be a more improved unit in the league than the Bears' tight ends. But I don't know how to buy in to what I thought was the worst starting quarterback in the NFL last year. And I think the Bears 
are taking a tremendous risk putting him out there week one and possibly leaving him out there for multiple weeks against what I think is the softest part of their schedule. If they go out Sunday and he has a howler and they lose a game they should win, it's going to be hard to make those up in a division that's going to be tight. Everyone's going to be, I think, in that realm of 11 wins. So you can't be giving games away on hope. And right now, I think they're starting Mitch Trubisky this week out of sheer hope. Hope that he's figured it out. Hope that he'll somehow not make the mistakes he's made in the past. And hope he won't cost them a win. I think it's a dangerous decision. I just hope it doesn't cost them. What are your thoughts on Bill Lazor, the new offensive coordinator coming in? Play calling duties, Nagy it relied on him, laid on his shoulders. We saw Helfrich, it didn't work. What do you expect the play calling to look like this year, and how big of an influence will Lazor have? I think the, the influence will be the new coaching staff in general. You know, you know Nagy tried to build something that was unique. He went with a, with a college former Bears offensive line coach, sort of a rugged guy, and Harry Heastand to run the OL. He went with Helfrick to bring in those concepts that, you know, he wanted to revolutionize things, and it just didn't work. So what he's done is he's gone back to the well and brought in guys that he knows, guys that he's friends with, and guys who are going to build an old-fashioned program. That's why Juan Castillo's there. That's why Flip is running the quarterback room. And that's why Bill Lazor was brought in. I, I think this team will be more run-dominant. But they're still going to run the RPO concepts. They're still going to run the same kind of uh, concepts you see in Philly and you see in Kansas City. They're going to try to be a dynamic offense, but they needed a little more toughness. They needed a little more commitment to the run, and I think that's the staff he's brought in. Hmm. Uh, no first-round pick again, as we know. I, and as we talked after the draft, I, I really like what they did. Komet, and then in particular, uh, Jalen Johnson, who had some injuries at Utah in his final year and I think probably kept him out of the first round. What have, uh, what have they said about both of those two guys? I see Johnson penciled in right on top of the depth chart, Komet behind uh, Jimmy Graham. Uh, but uh, those two rookies, how big of an impact could they have? I think they're starting, both of them, day one. Uh, Jalen Johnson is certainly the starting cornerback opposite Kyle Fuller. And Cole Komet, we've heard it since the day he showed up. He knew the playbook, and he's been ready. The intellect is there. The physical toughness that he has brought to practices has been what I've heard the most. Mm. He has put a little bit of anger in the offense. And it, and it comes down to very simple things. I don't know how closely fans can even follow practices these days, but you know, he catches a touchdown pass. There's a spike. There's a chest bump with him and Jimmy Graham. They're trying to assert on offense some of the swagger that the defense already has. And I think that's what this team needs. They need to find a balance. And the offense needs to start finding the energy and the production that the defense has had now for multiple years. And I think Komet's going to have a very good year, and I think Graham's going to have a terrific year. Again, I want to put the asterisk on that. It's quarterback dependent. Mm -hmm. Everything from these guys is quarterback dependent. You mentioned the improvements possibly from the ground game this year. David Montgomery, not a good start to his second year with the groin injury that he's dealing with. Tariq Cohen, just limited because of his size. He's not a guy you want to get more than 8 to 12 touches a game. And then, what, Cordero Patterson? Is that who we're looking at mm. third running back? Ryan Nall, Cordero Patterson, Artavis Pierce on the practice squad right now will be called up intermittently. Listen, what I've heard is David Montgomery is going to play this week, and the injury was not as serious as they thought it would be, that he is going to be the starting running back. They're going to use Cordell Patterson all over that field, but it's going to come down for the run game. It, and listen, I think Montgomery is going to have a very good year. It's going to come down to the offensive line. 
Yeah. It's going to come down to what Juan Castillo can get out of this rebuilt interior now. You know, James Daniels settling in at guard. Cody Whitehair in the middle. Jermaine Effetti brought in now to play right guard. The tackles are back. They've got to start getting a bigger push from that front because if you're letting defensive tackles in the backfield, I don't care if Barry Sanders is back there. You're not going to have a productive run game if you're not getting a push up front. So that's the test for this team early in the season. Can they take some pressure off the quarterback, get a run game going? And again, I keep coming back to this word. Can they assert some toughness? Can they, can they not be the baby brother on this franchise and start and start pulling their own weight? And that starts with the offensive line. Mm-hmm. Well, Trubisky's certainly got some uh, some weapons if he can keep them upright and if he can find those weapons and then hit them where he's supposed to. Robinson uh, really didn't have a lot of help last year, and he was still had a terrific year. Anthony Miller's got to stay healthy. Uh, Ted Ginn, what has he got left uh, in his mid-30s, Jeff? Uh, they like what they're seeing from Ted Ginn. And I tell you what also has happened is Darnell Mooney, the rookie that they brought in, has sort of asserted himself as a new-age Ted Ginn. Both good speed guys, both good route runners. One thing about this team last year was Ted Ginn and Darnell Mooney will fill that Taylor Gabriel role. And if you watch the Bears closely last year, they left hundreds of yards on the field by missing Taylor. I don't know why I'm saying they. He, Mitch Trubisky, <laughs> left hundreds of yards on the field by missing wide open Taylor Gabriel down the field. This offense now is built to stretch defenses. The question is, and I I will keep coming back to it because it is my obsession and it should be all Bears fans' obsessions, Mm -hmm. can the quarterback utilize those two or three times a game when Ted Ginn stretches the defense and he finds some daylight, can Trubisky or Foles, probably by week four, get him the ball? That is the question. So I think Ted Ginn certainly still has the speed. Mooney will add the speed. Jimmy Graham's got the speed. There's going to be plays to be made. Can they make them? Defensively, Khalil Mack, a bounce-back year you anticipate out of him. On the other side, they bring in Robert Quinn. He's dealing right now with an ankle injury, but if he can get back healthy this year, just how dominated. That linebacker crew, Raekwon in the middle, along with Danny Trevathan, you're talking about four elite-level linebackers there that really could push this defense here. But first start with Quinn and the injury and how, how nervous that makes you. It doesn't make me nervous. He played. He practiced last week, and he had the most dominant practice for a defensive player all summer. Uh, he, it was borderline unblockable for most of the day. I think they're just taking their time with him. They've taken their time with him all summer. If anything, the Von Miller injury should scare everybody around mm. the league. If you start pushing these guys with no preseason reps, with no inter-team uh, scrimmages, you start pushing these guys into action almost too much at this stage. You're going to there's going to be freakish injuries. So I, I think you'll see Quinn practice on Friday. I think you'll see him play this week. I agree with you, Trent. I, I just don't see a better front seven in the league, except for Eddie Goldman. Yeah, not. You know, opting out of this season. This is as good as it gets. They have three dominant pass rushers in Mack, in Quinn, in Hicks. They are great at inside linebacker with Roquan and with Danny Trevathan. This is as good a front as you're going to see. I don't see, you know, I've heard the negativity around the Bears. I don't see if they're healthy how this team wins less than eight games on the strength of their defense alone. Mm-hmm. They have built a great, great unit. And I think Quinn is sort of the icing on the top. And Eddie Jackson, one of the best safeties in the league. Um, they're, they're stout on defense, no doubt about it. So Eddie Pinheiro, 
kind of grew on Bears fans. I get that impression uh, last year. Uh, but he's out. Uh, in comes Cairo Santos, who I thought was off to a terrific start in Kansas City. Didn't stick there. Uh, the kicking position, what uh, is the uh, prognosis for Pinheiro? And is he uh, a given to get his job back if Santos uh, you know, looks good the first few weeks? Uh, by no means is he a given to get his job back. They, they coached away from Eddie Pinheiro for most of the season last year. Uh, when they needed the kick early against Denver, he came out and made the kick. But they, they, they limited how far they let him kick from. They went for far too many fourth and longs where they didn't want Eddie Pinero kicking long field goals. Cairo Santos has been good this summer. And if Cairo Santos has a good first three weeks, uh, there's no chance they're going to give Eddie Pinero his job back because this franchise can't afford to take risks at kicker. Two years ago, we saw what happens when you do that. You're knocked out of a playoff game that you shouldn't be. Uh, this is this is anybody's job right now, and I'll say this: and I, I've been critical about how the Bears have handled kicker for a long time. I do not understand why they were not in the market for Joseph when he became available out of Tennessee for Guskowski all summer, all all off season long. Uh, to me, they are settling for mediocrity at a position that we know every year is pivotal. These games every year get closer and closer. These franchises are separated by less and less. If you don't have a guy who can make the big 47-yarder in a big spot, you're going to lose games you should win. And the Bears better hope that Cairo Santos finds some of the magic from earlier in his career, or they could lose some close ones. Uh, 30 seconds left. Who is the? Who do you think will win the division? What will the Bears' record be? I have the Bears at 10-6, and six, and I have uh, them... Tied with the Packers at ten and six. I'm going to call it. They win on a tiebreaker, ten and six and ten and six. Minnesota finishes nine and seven, uh, seven and nine for Detroit. I think the Bears win the division, and uh, we'll see who the quarterback is in the postseason. If it's Foles by that point, maybe he gets the hot hand again and they make a run. Packers Bears the finale week seventeen. Oh. How good will that be, Jeff? Thank you. We'll talk to you a whole bunch during the regular season. Thank you, Jeff Hughes, to BearsBlog.com. Thanks, Jeff. Look forward to it, guys. Good to talk to you. All right, there's the Bears. Bears-Packers for Jeff Hughes. We'll hear the Packers side of things with Dave Sinekin. The Vikings coming up at 11-15, 11-20-11-15-ish. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and then we'll uh, have Nick Athen in here as we can talk a lot of football. We're talking a lot of sports wagering next. Lee Sterling, Paramount Sports, joins us as we get set for football tonight. It's Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460, KXNO and 106.org. All right, Miller and Condon, welcome back to Des Moines Sports Station, 1460, KXNO. Three more of the regional teams to get to. We'll do so starting off hour number two, 11.05, Dave Sinekin on the Packers. Uh, then we'll head north, St. Paul Pioneer Press on the Vikings and Nick Athen on the Chiefs. But right now, for the first of a whole bunch of Thursdays at this time in a row, Lee Sterling joins us, ParamountSports.com. Lee, Trent, and Ken, welcome back. How are you, Lee Sterling? Doing great, um, considering we lost a couple games. We lost the Baylor and the Oklahoma State games, but uh, we're just going to have that happen. We're just going to have to deal with it and roll the punches. But it looks like the NFL is ready to go. I love the changes. I mean, going from 10 to 16 on the inactive squad, I think that uh, is going to protect these teams, and I'd be shocked if 
if we have more than one or two NFL games canceled all season. Fingers crossed. Lee, what I've been anxious yeah. to ask you about is how you will recommend to your clients early in the season, no preseason. We see some college teams like Navy who didn't even tackle in the uh, uh, in the month of August. How it's, will, it's optional. It's optional. <laughs> right. how, will, how will you go forward with the first couple of weeks? I think it's, I mean, we don't know if it's going to be sloppy play, what kind of play we're going to see. Yeah. How are you going to approach it, Lee? Well, you have to change your approach a little bit. Uh, Teams that have like two new coordinators or teams that the coaches came in late, I think they're going to be in trouble. And and also something that will be very important this year will be returning quarterbacks. You know, uh, in college football, you want that guy that can get his team set, and and that's very important. In the NFL, I think you've got to look uh, at, at, at some different factors. You've got to look at underdogs. So the last couple of years, underdogs, week one, 21-5-1 against the spread. I think you could see a run similar to that continue because home field, there's really no home field advantage. Look what's going on in the NBA. I mean, we got two underdogs that are Miami, the Heat's already going to, they've already advanced to the conference uh, finals. And, and Boston, I think, is in the end, is going to take Toronto. So uh, we're seeing upsets happen all the time. So... I think underdogs, you know, where they put in the NFL that three points that they add to the the home team, I don't think it's going to be as important. Uh, They'll eventually probably have to correct that. How much work are you going to put into that home field advantage? There's going to be, I think, five NFL teams, at least initially, that are going to have fans in the stands. There is still travel involved. It's still dressing in your own locker room, those types of things for the home team. Is it just going to be mix and match throughout the season, or are you going to come up with a pretty uh, strident point spread you're going to put out there for the home field advantage? Oh, I I think you're going to be able to figure it out pretty quick. I mean, teams like Seattle, which, believe it or not, Seattle had not played well against the spread at home of late where they always had like two or three uh, illegal procedure penalties called against their opponent uh, for the crowd noise. I, I don't think you're going to see that. So uh, Seattle might be a good go against when they're at home. Uh, it has been lately, but I'm talking about strong go against. Uh, so those are some of the things you have to really look at. Seattle, I think, will be hurt more than maybe any team in the NFL. Let's get to your slate of games. Uh, Lee Sterling, Paramount Sports is our guest. College football tonight, Miami UAB. UAB has the benefit of actually playing a game. Derek King starts, as we know it, Miami. Is the U back? They're a 13.5-point favorite. How do you see this one? Well, it looks like they finally have a quarterback. This kid uh, from Houston, King, the grad transfer, probably the best quarterback they've had since Ken Dorsey. It's been almost 20 mm-hmm. years. They have really just missed on quarterbacks. Uh, coordinators have not been very good. They haven't coached up these kids. This kid is the real deal. Normally, and, and I went to one of the uh, scrimmages uh, a week and a half ago, the defense dominates. In his five drives, he led them to four touchdowns, each of the two scrimmages. So he's a different type player. Don't think he's much of an NFL quarterback, but a really good college quarterback. He's a leader. They also brought over Rhett Lashley, the offensive coordinator the last couple of years at SMU, and you saw they struggle without him. He's the real deal. So I think Miami's going to be more of a high-scoring team. Their defense, uh, probably similar to last year, but UAB did play a game. But look what they did. Uh, the, the three times when they played some de- decent opponents last year, they played Tennessee, lost 30-7. to Appalachian State lost 31-17 and lost to FAU 49-6 to all on the road. 
I like Miami here. I'm going to lay the two touchdowns. I think they win this game 35-14. Going with the hometown U for Lee Sterling. Let's go to our hometown team just to the north of us in Ames, Iowa State. Welcomes in a quarterback in Levi Lewis, much like De'Ara King. Undersized, not an NFL prospect, but a really, really good college player. The Raging Cajuns getting 11.5 in Jack Trice. How do you see it, Lee? Yeah, 11-3 and record last year, Levi Lewis, when he was a quarterback. They also have two NFL potential running backs in Elijah Mitchell and, and Trey Raggis. So uh, defense, you don't see this normally from Sunbelt and Conference USA teams. 33 sacks last year and only gave up 19.7 points per game. So you're looking at this game, you're like, oh, Iowa State laying a little less than two touchdowns, playing a you know a lower-level lower, lower level team. They should be able to win this against a Sunbelt opponent. But uh, I personally think... The Big 12 is up for grabs. I think Iowa State is there uh, with Oklahoma State, Texas. I don't like Oklahoma. My one wager mm. college football win total was the under on Oklahoma. I don't think uh, Spencer Rattler is the real deal. I think he's going to go through some major growing pains. But Matt Campbell, even though he hasn't had a losing spread record in regular season in his four years, he's 5-9 and nine against the spread as a home favorite. Three and six against the spread as a double digit home favorite. What that tells me is tread lightly here. Iowa State is minus in turnover ratio in three of the four Matt Campbell years here. Their defense, a three safety high defense, just doesn't get a whole lot of takeaways here. Louisiana Lafayette, seven starters back on offense and defense. Also, welcome a, a left tackle grad transfer from Arkansas State. Uh, who will start on a nose tackle transfer from FIU, who's pretty good here. Um, last year, they only lost by uh, 19 to uh, plus 19. They lost to Mississippi State by 10. And even in Billy Napier's first year, they covered at Alabama. Iowa State wins 31-24, but Louisiana Lafayette covers. We see it the same way. Uh, Lee Sterling, Paramount Sports, is our guest. Well, uh, there's a little NFL game taking place just to the south of us here tonight, Lee Sterling. Uh, it's Kansas City. They're a nine-point favorite. The Super Bowl champs hosting uh, Houston. That was a remarkable game last year when those two teams went at it in the playoffs. A lot of points, nine. Uh, the Chiefs get, speaking of starters returning, I think 20 out of 22, which is remarkable. How do you see the lid lifter in the NFL? Well, the only time a team was ever trailing in the, in, in the playoffs by 20 points in a game was Kansas City, and they won by more than 20. If you're Bill O'Brien and you were playing like Wheel of Fortune and you're spinning the wheel and it comes up, you've got to go to Kansas City the first game, you're like, uh, can I spin again? Uh, they've got problems. I, I just don't think this is a good team, uh, even though I love Deshaun Watson, no DeAndre Hopkins. I, I do like the addition of David Johnson in the backfield, but they, it's all about making explosive plays, and Kansas City has that. I like Kansas City big, 38-24. Finish up with Lee Sterling. Monday Night Football, the capper of Week 1. Ken Miller's Denver Broncos as they take on the Tennessee Titans. Uh, right now, that point spread's kind of been all over the place, but what do you got yep. with the Titans and the Broncos? It's anywhere from minus one to plus one, depending mm-hmm. on what site you're looking at for either team. But the Broncos, you know, they did the Titans a huge favor last year when they shut them out 16 uh-huh. nothing. Uh, Vrabel makes the change. He benched Marcus Mariota at halftime and inserted Ryan Tannehill. Titans go on a run 9-4 and four the rest of the way. Uh, Derrick Henry, uh, only a season-low 28 yards on the ground that game. Here's the problem for Denver. Uh, limited offseason to get acclimated with the new offensive coordinator, Pat Shermer's offense. He's the fifth play caller here in as many years. So 
I, I like Tennessee. Just don't have a whole lot of holes here. Uh, I think they win this game in a close game, 24-21. Agree with you, unfortunately. I think my Broncos yeah. get off on the wrong foot. Lee Sterling, your game of the week uh, is indeed a Sunbelt Big 12 tilt. Arkansas State, the Red Wolves, K-State. Uh, the number's uh, 10.5. If the listeners want more information, how do they reach out to you? Just call me here at 800-400-9741. You can get this game for free. And um, uh, just... Uh, you know, it, this is this is one of those games you got to figure out, is it a blowout or a trap? And uh, ParamountSports.com is the website. Just go to the website and uh, put in your, your email, uh, and we'll email you a free game every single Friday night. Last year on the free email games on Friday nights, 12 and 5, those are free. And if you want to hop on board, how about this? Nine games for the entire weekend combined Saturday and Sunday, just $97.00. ParamountSports.com. Lee Sterling back with us for another season. Lee, thank you. We'll talk to you a week from today. Have a good weekend. Lee Sterling, as uh, we talk sports wagering with Lee, do you like his picks? I'm with him on a couple of them. I don't have a great field tonight. It, it seemed in the past, these Thursday night NFL kickoff games, it was take the defending champion. They dominate these games. They had a huge run. Is, of like, that, is that the uh, it's the it's, trend? Has it's it been? gone back the other way, though. That's what I thought. And... At nine, why is it, looking at every power number that I've looked le- looked at coming into the season, this point spread should be, and especially if you're not giving Arrowhead their full three and a mm-hmm. half, maybe four, as it can be, this should be like a five and a half, six point spread. Is it they just know they're going to get because they know they're going to get hammered tons of cheese money? money? Yeah, probably. The so. point spread isn't quote unquote correct, at least if you look at power numbers, and because of that, I think there's value on Houston here. But then I don't want to be sitting there late in the third quarter saying, what in God's name was I thinking? I'm, I'm struggling with this game. I'm on the opposite side tonight of the college game. I do like UAB. Do it because they've had a game? Yeah, uh, that's a part of it. Quick turnaround I don't love as they just played on Saturday. Mm-hmm. But pretty good defensively. But really have a lot of offense here. I think there's going to be a lot of points in that game. That's something I'm also maybe digging into. You know, I don't play a ton of totals, but I might be looking at the over. But I'm on the UAB side. We're on opposites on that one. But Louisiana Lafayette, yep, I'm going to be on them this weekend. I don't know. You, you, you're you too close to it with your Broncos. No, I think they're going to get crushed. Crushed? Yeah, I do. I think they're going to get crushed. Lock has not had a good camp. No, he hasn't, apparently. I mean, that's what I'm reading. I'm not seeing anything. Right. Just, just reading. Yeah. Um, and then the Von Miller. I mean, that's their leader. Yeah. You know, their leader gets taken out like that. We'll see. Trent, here's the thing about Iowa State and the Raging Cajuns, Louisiana Lafayette. I can't find anybody to stick in Iowa State. Are we completely, I mean, does Iowa State win by three touchdowns, covers comfortably? I don't see it, but I can't find anybody that's actually giving the 11 and a half. And we've had some of these conversations in the past. Watch out for this team. Don't overlook this team. And all of a sudden it happens. When everybody's going one way, Trent, which way do you go? The other way. Need to pull up those odds and see uh, what percentage of people are betting on both sides of that one. We'll have that later in the program. And certainly by tomorrow, if not today. We've got a busy final hour of the program still to come. Packers talk to begin, then the Vikings, then the Chiefs, then Trent and I will go on record. We're here until noon. It's Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM.